The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey there, buddy. Don't forget, there's plenty of Last Podcast Network merch available over on lastpodcastmerch.com. We got shirts for all of your favorite shows like... Wizard and the Bruiser, and Page 7, and No Dogs in Space, and of course, plenty of stuff for Last Podcast on the left. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com. Thank you. Coming down the aisle, it's time to farm. It's out of here! It's a miracle! The impossible has happened! Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel, you're hanging out with Katie Dirks. We are so happy to bring you this episode. It's a bit of a best of some of the interviews we've had in the past. I think we'll talk with uh, Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley, Simon Miller. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and hope you guys are doing well. I loved chatting with all of these fantastic people. And uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think, Katie? I think people will like it. Uh, Bobby Lashley's the best. I know. You love Bobby Lashley. He's just... I mean, Baron Corbin's phenomenal. They're all great. But Bobby Lashley. I mm. wasn't a Bobby Lashley. F- I mean, I was, but I uh, I adore him. He's all great. right. Well, let's listen to this episode of Katie creaming over Bobby. <laughs> My God. <laughs> My Lord, Katie. Unbelievable. All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed this special edition of Kind of Fun. And today we are honored to have with us WWE champion, the almighty Bobby Lashley. Thank you so much for being on the show, Mr. Lashley. It's good to be on. What an unbelievable journey you've been on. Katie and I have been doing a deep dive on some of your interviews and going through some of your history. My God, man, you have busted your ass to get to where you are I don't even know how to really start that conversation, but maybe just from WWE champion to where you were even just last year, how do you feel right now holding the strap, uh, knowing that WWE says, dude, you are the man, you can carry the load, we (laughs) trust you. How does that make you feel? Well, you know what? Well, well, first of all, let me tell you this. A quick little story before that. Um, Right before getting on, I told my kids, I'm driving the car with my kids. And I was like, man, I'm going to be on this really cool podcast. And they did something on me before. And uh, my my son's really big into podcasts. So he's like, man, I got to check it out. I got to check it out. So we pull it on. And I think it was a similar intro. And then you said something. And then I think it's Katie or the the host. (laughs) She goes, 
Yeah, I read the headlines. Bobby wins world title, and I immediately roll my eyes. Oh, <laughs> Katie! <laughs> Katie, unbelievable! My, Here's I'm the thing: sitting- I was so nervous to hear that you were coming on, and I was like, "Oh no, I feel like I didn't." Oh no! <laughs> uh, uh, so, I take yeah, it, it was, all back. I take well, it, all it was. Back. She rolled her eyes in pure <laughs> orgasmic joy, and that's the difference. Because the rolling of the eyes can mean multiple different things depending on the circumstance. Yes, I was so yes, nervous. Yes. I was like, "Oh no, what have I said?" I mean, honestly, though, that is a funny situation because, you know, wrestling fans will obviously talk about how you feel and all that. But, you know, wrestling fans are they are a fickle bunch and they're like mouthy and they all look like me overweight, (laughs) probably should be sitting mostly. How the hell do you deal with wrestling fans because they love the sport? But I I almost feel like wrestling fans and Jets fans are very similar. The New York Jets, Jets fans are the meanest of all fans to their own team. And wrestling fans are the same way where they're constantly bitching and they watch it for seven hours a week. just so they can bitch more and have exactly. things to bitch about. <laughs> how does, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that as a, uh, as someone who has busted his ass looking great and physically just exhausting yourself. And then you have like little putties little people just being like, like me. Over I don't in the know. Corner just listen, running their stupid mouths. Listen, I, I love you guys. And this is why, <laughs> this is why, because somebody asked me this before. So, of course, if you guys know, you guys know more about wrestling than anyone. So there was a time where I had to do something with Elias, where I had to sing. And then throughout <laughs> the time when I was singing, the words just kind of lost my mind. So I stood there and I was like, oh, shh. And um, everybody ridiculed me on that. Okay? Yeah. So now I got to look at it from their point of view. This big jacked up guy trying to sing Rock and Robin and he forgets it. It's hilarious. <laughs> so if they're laughing at me, why wouldn't I laugh at me? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that I've done in my career that I got to say, you know what? You got to just put yourself in their shoes. And I love wrestling fans because like you said, they watch it. They love it. They need something to bitch about. And if I can give them something, I'll give them something. I mean, yeah, I don't dislike anyone. I enjoy it. And I understand it because, and that's what wrestling is about. There's some people you like, and then there's some people that you don't like, whatever reason it is. For me, just to explain who I am and, and how I was a little different is I just came up a little different. Like I came up with just sports. Some of the guys came up in professional wrestling. Right. So the show part was a big deal. I came up just in sports. So it was always like, if you want some, just work harder and harder and harder and harder. So that was my whole mentality. And it always been throughout my entire career. And it seems like, you know, people don't look and really care about that as much. Right. So right. Uh, you, you can care about it to an extent, but it's more of the show. So how is that transition process? Because I know going from, you know, a team sport where um, your personality obviously matters. It's really cool, but it's not paramount. The team is what matters yeah. the most. Right? right. And then all of a sudden you're catapulted into uh, this very isolating world of professional wrestling, where at the end of the day, you're an independent contractor. You're your own business and you you run the show for yourself. How was that transition being able to go in front of stadiums filled with rabid fans and actually express who you are as a person? Because as someone who I've done theater since I was seven years old, my first role was a tree. Uh, that is true. <laughs> but how was that transition process to like open up and be like, this is who Bobby is? Did you explore? Did you find yourself? more when you were performing or was that something you had going in or do you kind of find yourself in the process? 
Um, definitely more um, as it goes on. It's it's work in progress always. Um, like right now, you know, I've been doing the Meisner technique with the class down here, just kind oh. of learning a different style of, of theater and art. But, um, you know, you always have different people that kind of tell you, all right, let's do this, let's do that. And you know what? The hardest lesson I had to learn was when I came back. Because when I came back, I had fought for eight years. So I was like, all right, now I'm even yeah. tougher. Yeah. And then the first thing Vince told me is like, I don't care about any of that. I don't care if you can go beat those guys up. So for me, all the stuff that I did leading up to this, everybody's like, man, you were in some really cringeworthy things. Listen, Vince was wanting me to loosen up. And that was the hardest thing for me to do because I've always been like rigid. I'm a soldier. My dad came up, I wrestled and, and I achieved really high things. And then afterwards I went to the military. I'm a single father. So by standard, I mean, I'm, I'm a great person for, for a champion, Absolutely. But we need you to loosen up and just have fun. And that's a hard thing to do because yeah. when I came back, you know, I'm thinking I'm a little bit older, you know, so if anybody's on the chopping block, it's me. So I got to, I got to not look like I am beat up or hurt or anything like that. So I got to stay in great shape. Um, and then I got to keep up with these guys. Right. So I had all this stuff on top of me. So I was like, just, just in, and whatever they tell you, do, just do it, just do it. And that was a whole mentality, right? you know, and, and, and it's hard to not want to do that. Because I have kids. It reminds me of that great scene from PCU, that movie that I don't think a lot of people saw, but I did, where Jeremy Piven is living with David Spade. And Jeremy Piven at one point is just screaming at David Spade to go to sleep, go to sleep. And it seems like that same scenario with Vince being like, relax, relax. Relax. But at the same time, the world's on your shoulders and uh, you better stay jacked and don't fuck up in the ring. Relax. Like that is a really difficult thing to decompartmentalize in your yeah. mind to be like, I'm relaxed, but I'm also hyper-focused on what I'm doing. Correct. And the next day, it's like some of the guys, the minute we leave the show, they're on Twitter going like this and like, oh no, he's not going to say that. And they're going back. So now it's like a huge mind. You can mind say fuck. Right, yeah. Okay, mind fuck, okay? <laughs> so, yeah. I need the green light. I need the green light. So so it's like it's like everything. And, and, then, and then, you know what? I saw some of the guys I'm sitting at the table with him and then they're like pushing their buttons on their phone. They're like, oh, he's not going to say that to me. And and they're taking it personal. And I read them and I'm like, well, you know, if that's your point of view, I actually laugh at a lot of them. It doesn't right. bother me. It doesn't bother me. My check's still coming in the mail. Yeah. I'm still going to bust my ass as hard as I can. Um, so I can't really like internalize everything. And then for me, I watch different shows and I see different shows. I, I'm like, I hate that character. I can't stand that character. I like right. that because that's what we ultimately are. And yes. so I just got to understand that some people don't like me. I can beg for them to like me and I can, I can say nice things and I can right. come on their podcast and maybe they might like me. Um, <laughs> Katie Dirks. I feel, you don't understand the level of guilt that I feel right now. It is just astronomical because the other thing was, is when we heard you were joining us, I was just like, I kind of had a moment. I was like, wait, what? Like, wait, what? This is amazing. Are you kidding? And then I immediately went like, oh no. Oh no. But I will say like, when like I, I went into like a Bobby Lashley hole last night and I was watching some of your interviews and I was watching some of your old matches. And then that guilt got even worse because it's really on me that I should have just like, you are so likable and you're such a great (laughs) champion and just like what you just said i was just like that's the champion mentality like you don't need people like me saying stuff or running my mouth 
uh, for whatever my opinions are, 3,000 miles away on some time zone that doesn't even matter. But like, it just like you have that champion mentality and it was it's awesome to see you uh, at this point. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I hope I'm not. I, I got another fan. <laughs> yep. She, you got you. like I'm another convert with you last night and you just I'm, you're so cool. <laughs> I'm going to come to you for advice when I do screw up. If I'm moving back into that, I don't like Bobby. Bring me back. Just tell me what to do. I will dance. Hey, hey but check this out. You know what? Here's another thing with this. And and I got it. And, and this is one thing because I told my kids this. Um, when I came back, I said, you know what? <clears throat> they need me so that they can like their guys more. Sure. Because yeah. if I'm out there, I don't care if you don't like me personally, you don't like me anything. You know, I'm a big, dangerous black dude <laughs> that's in there. Right. That no matter who comes out of that curtain, there's a huge obstacle. And you don't want me to do anything good to that person. Because if I do, you're going to be like, this is bullshit. We want Finn to kick his ass. He can't, you know, but if he does, you're happy. And if he doesn't, you're mad. So ultimately I'm exactly what you guys want. I'm the heel. And of course the juxtaposition of of that is when you uh, destroy somebody like the Miz, where everybody is happy to see the Miz suffer. I have no problem with it. I take great joy in watching any pain on the Miz's face. Um, So then you also have that angle of it where you're like, oh my God, he's hurting someone I don't like. I love Bobby Lash. Yes, 100%. That's the beauty of it. When it comes to your military experience, has that helped when dealing with people on Twitter, when dealing with people on social media? Has that helped you sort of like tread those waters? Because I would assume that your military experience was much more intense than anyone taking shots at you on social media (laughs) platforms. God, see, now you're going to put me further in that category of a person that you don't like. Um, No, no. (laughs) this, this This is why. Listen, every morning when I wake up, I am, I'm, I'm like, I'm that guy that, um, like I always make my bed. It's just cause I heard that one, um, YouTube video where the guy was like, if you want to start your day out, start out by making your bed. Yeah. And he did this whole video and I was like, man, that is beautiful. I love it. So I started doing it. Okay. So then I do that. And then when I wake up, I do my, my morning cardio, I'm listening to motivational stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm putting myself in my little happy bubble. May I ask what are you, what motivational stuff are you listening to truthfully? Because I love, uh, I love to feel encouraged as well. I do a multitude because it's, it's every morning. So it's always something different. Yeah. I and mean, you know how YouTube, if they find out what you're listening to, they, they keep pumping you with stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that I listen to. Um, okay. And it's not even one particular person. I like a lot of Les Brown stuff. I okay. even listen to Tony Robbins stuff, but I listen sure. to a lot of um, Ted talks. Yeah. Because there's more, there's different things. That, and, and I try to feed that to my kids. Yeah. So I'm that kind of guy. Awesome. <laughs> so when, when I go into that, I just, I almost like look at it from different points of view. I look at it from a, a, a couple different ones. One, I know a lot of them are bots of guys that are in the locker room with me trying to hate on me. So that they can be able, <laughs> be able to get my spot. That's, wait, so that's wait, just, hold on. Does that happen? <laughs> I'm a hundred percent sure it is. I'm a hundred percent. Oh my God! You know Sammy. I'm not okay with that. You know Sammy Zayn's got a briefcase full of cell phones. Each cell phone has a thousand different Twitters on there. I can see Sammy Zayn just in the shower. Although you know what, the the wrestlers. Yeah, you know what this this makes this is tracking. 
This is this tracks. Yeah. I'm not saying it is. And and when I say that, you got you got several different organizations and and of and course. thousands of wrestlers. So I'm not saying any particular one, but I'm saying it is a cutthroat business. So yes. any little edge you can get on somebody else. But you know what? I think a lot of times the office knows that. Some of these guys think they're getting away with it and they're bitching and complaining. The office knows it. It's like yeah. it's some of the things that that you try to do and try to get away with. It's just really not worth it. It's just you know yeah. put in the time, put in the work, figure out what your character is. Um, then you have fun with it. Just have fun. And I think that's the biggest thing is just letting yourself loose and having fun, not caring about things. So you got the WWE championship. Um, to go back to the first okay. question that we started with, man, how do you feel right now as WWE champion? And also maybe, uh, well, I can explain that or we can talk about that uh, for the audience. Mick Foley in his wonderful book, um, I believe it was Three Faces of Foley or uh, Foley is God. One of those talking about how the championship is like winning an Oscar. It's basically the heads of your profession saying you are number one. Can you talk a little bit about what that feels like for you? Obviously, with the Hurt Business, MVP has done a bang up job. Holy hell, the Hurt Business came in. Everyone's like, what's it going to be? And now everyone is strapped up. Can you just talk a little bit about what did that feel for you personally when when you got the push and you're holding this awesome freaking award? History. Um, it it was it was I would say I got to use overwhelming because, yeah. like you said, and, and everybody said, and here, here's the biggest thing about it. Just listening to your podcast. I know he's at the beginning. It started out that way, but there was something that you guys said afterwards. You guys said, well, you know what he does, man, the dude's been here for six. And then you guys started listening. I've been saying, you know what? He deserves it. And, and that's what I got all last week, which I thought was like really cool because yeah. once you even get something, you know, for somebody to hand you that title, the first thing you're doing is like, how were they going to react to this? Like some yeah. people are like bullshit, man, not him, you know, but it was the other way. And some of those people that would have normally like try to like trash me, they were like, you know, what? he can, he can, all right, we'll give it to him. He's jacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's the cool thing I think about. It. Okay. And this is just me being me. Um, I think it's cool because one, I think I do deserve it as far as like the work that I put in. And I, I'm, I'm that kind of guy that for the business, I think anything that they've asked me to do, I just said, you know what? I can do it because it's not me. It's not, I'm not going out there fighting. Mm -hmm. I'm an entertainer. I'm an actor. So if, if I'm putting in a different role, I'm okay with being that role. Now, here's another thing for me, being a heel, being a champion and being that person that before you were like, Oh, he can win. He can lose. We really don't care. At this point, you're like, okay, now it makes things a little bit different right? because Drew can't just come out there and beat him up. That's not going to happen. Right. So Bobby can still potentially beat Drew. And then you have Brock and you have all these other guys. So right. if you're really trying to make someone a baby face or something like that to overcome an obstacle of beating me, when you push me the right way and put me as the right person is a big thing for anybody's career. Yeah. If I'm running hard like this and smashing everybody, I just put Braun out. Yeah. So, if I, so that's the level that they put me at. So as a heel and, and somebody that you can look at and say, he is a credible heel, whether I like him or not. Absolutely. He's a credible heel. It's good for anybody else. Yeah. I mean, hell, if you need to get ricocheted to that point, you can get ricocheted to that point. Absolutely. I, I just think right now, and, and it's good for Drew also, because what yeah. else can you do with Drew? 
He's already flying. He's got the cape on his back. He's he's Fabio <laughs> with the sword. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> but but I'm the one dude that can stand up to Drew and you're like, ah, this guy's crazy, but this guy can still whoop his ass. Yeah. Yep. Well, that is so, the awe. And now I'm fantasizing. I'm celebrity booking. I'm calling it the triangle of beef match. Yeah. Uh, let's do Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. That would be a fantastic WrestleMania 37 main event. McIntyre, Lashley, and Lesnar. I'm calling it the triangle of beef. That yeah. sounds incredible. <laughs> if, there has not been there has not been bigger dudes. I can't recall a time where the WWE had stronger heavyweights than right now. With you three specifically, and then, of course, uh, adding Braun Strowman into there, there is a lot of talent in the WWE right now. And again, that makes it even more incredible that you got the belt because, you know, people are going to come after you for that. Have you noticed already some people coming, treating you a little bit different, treating you like um, you have something I would like to have, sir? Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of um, I think we have a good feud that we could do between you and I. What? You know, here, let me tell you that what you said with me, Brock and, and Drew. Yeah. Let's think of a couple different scenarios. Do I get Brock in the lock? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I please. would hope so. I, I want to see, so. see you tear oh, Brock limb to limb. <laughs> Same goes or, for Drew. Or does Brock hit Drew in F5 as he stands up? I spear Brock. Woo! Dude, there are so many great possibilities. That would get such a pop. That would get such a pop. Does Drew hit me with the Claymore, turn right around to the F5, and Brock walk away with it? No. I would be so mad. There are so many great possibilities <laughs> with that match. Do I get Drew in the lock and Brock kisses both with the F5? Oh, <laughs> my so God. This is I love fantasy booking this match. You know what the cool thing about it is um, me and Drew can have a really physical match, without a doubt. Yeah. And Drew can be added into anything. But what you said before, and I love with with what's going on right now and what's developed on Raw, is that yeah. you do have a lot of horses, a lot of monsters on there. They're yeah. like e any one of these guys. And I, here I can I can list off five people right off the top of my head that you can put that title on and be strong components. Me, Drew, Sheamus, AJ, Brock. Uh, yeah, I can, I can I can go down. I can even go further than that. Because there's other guys that you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, well, but but yes, you have to. They're all the way down there and and, and, it, and it keeps going. So it's really cool that there's a lot of different mix ups that can happen with it. And right. that title for once, it doesn't have to stay on one person because, yes, Drew can have a really good day. But there's no reason why Drew can't get beat by Sheamus because mm -hmm. him right. and Sheamus have been going hard. Yeah. Then Brock gets added into the element and Braun is still Braun. Yeah. Braun can rip you, rip you completely apart. AJ's still phenomenal. He has so many things that he can do. Keith Lee is a big boy yes. that can really do some big stuff that yeah. can be thrown right into that mix with anyone. So there's a lot of people. And we and I haven't even I haven't even talked about like, you know, the Lias is coming in there and then the ricochets coming in there um, just to mix things up. So I think right now we've taken that time of the pandemic of at one, I think for once developed a lot of different stars that we really can do something with mm -hmm. right now, because before everybody was like, yeah, Bobby, he's, he's, like you guys said before in the last pocket, well, he, he does got big muscles 
and he does run. <laughs> he runs. Yep. I could have sworn. I was like, that's Bobby Lashley. That mother's jacked. Yep, because Katie was drinking but, her margarita. <laughs> <laughs> but but now Bobby Lashley is the Bobby Lashley that you that you said he has the potential. I was Mr. Potential for the last 15 years. Right. Yeah. But now the potential is actually let out. So now they allow me to be as dangerous as I am. So now it's like, now you have Bobby, Drew, Sheamus, Braun, AJ. The Fiend is still over there. I Randy Warren. The I can't even believe that I, I forgot those two because they were in a feud on the other side. Mm-hmm. Randy's up there. Randy had more titles than everybody combined. Yeah. And, and like I said in another um, interview, I think Randy right now is like at like at a ridiculous level right now as far as like entertainment and his work rate and what he does. So him, the Fiend is always the most dangerous person because nobody really has stopped the Fiend. No. So there's just so many different people that you can throw right in that mix of that heavyweight title. But for right now, give, give me at least one solid year. Absolutely. I, I you my can, kid, yes. <laughs> ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Today we are honored to have with us. This is a series that Katie and I, unbeknownst to us, we didn't realize we were doing the bald hunks of wrestling month. But today we have another bald hunk on. Uh, a wrestling uh, commentator, the overall, I'm going to say, just my favorite performer. I don't want to cause any controversy. A wonderful performer from What Culture Wrestling, which you can find on YouTube. It's fantastic. They cover so many things about wrestling you never knew you needed to know. There are so many angles, and What Culture covers all of it. We are honored to be with Simon Miller. Simon, thanks so much for being on the show. Honestly, I am honored and privileged to be here. And that is a very, very nice intro. And you you guys probably know, usually when people are talking about me, especially in comment sections, it's like, burn him. Burn him at the stake. <laughs> yeah. He had a different opinion to us. So to be introduced in such a lovely way, I am genuinely happy to be here. It is, uh, it is pretty awesome. Well, that's the amazing thing about being a pro wrestling fan. You can really just scream at people who you know can physically beat you up, <laughs> but because of the parameters of the wrestling world, you're safe. That is, when it comes to wrestling fandom, Simon, you are on the peak of it. What is that experience like? Because there are fans, I know my friend Henry Zabrowski, he loves Dune, which is a very sci-fi, like nerdy type topic. (laughs) And those fans are so crazy and so intense. (laughs) You are on the internet talking about professional wrestling every week. How the hell do you even deal with that minefield? Well, I have a very weird way 
of looking at it. And I've told this before and people kind of laugh at first, like, <laughs> not really. I'm like, yeah, that's how I see it. So because I am a disgustingly positive human being, which is another reason that people get so riled up with me. Right. When it gets proper crazy and you say, oh, I'm really happy that X won the title and somebody responds saying, oh, I hope you die. It's like, <laughs> it, it's like to me, and I genuinely mean this, it's not just sort of some, some kind of weird thing you'd read in a book. I'm like, isn't it awesome? I mean, not the fact that he wished death upon me, but right. isn't it awesome that somebody cares so much about my opinion and somebody is so engaged with the videos that I'm making that he felt the need to go to his computer, write a comment and say, I'm really going to get that guy. I'm really going to give him what for. And and I actually think that's quite, uh, again, look, do I think the internet could turn it down a little bit? Absolutely. But in my own personal world, yeah. if you had told me I was going to be doing all of this stuff when I was 15, somebody was going to give me a paycheck for just saying, hey, man, Raw was good, wasn't it? Yeah. I, would, I would have done a backflip. So I always try and spin it and look at it that way. And it served me quite well. Yeah, it served me quite well. I love it. I feel like just talking about wrestling in general is a fairly risky endeavor. A, from the people that don't understand it and think you're crazy, <laughs> or B, from the people that do understand it and also think you're crazy. <laughs> it's true. You can't win. You can't win. You can't I was win. having a conversation with someone the other day, and I don't know what it was like in you know over, over there, but over here, we, we, at a certain age, kind of like 8 to 13 years old, you couldn't tell anybody you like wrestling. No. Oh, no. You get beaten up just because you like wrestling. It's insane. Or when you're older, you kind of test the waters being like, I'm going to watch Raw again to see, <laughs> kind of see what's happening. And then you kind of tell, you're like, all right, that's cool. There's other people that like it. Twitter has its own opinion. Okay, cool. Maybe I'm going to say it out. I'm going to say it out loud. Yeah, I, I, I like wrestling. And then you're out. You're out. <laughs> You've yeah. been outed as a wrestler. It's true. Fan. And then people, as soon as they, as soon as they find you, they will they'll give you their opinion whether you want it or not. Yeah. <laughs> what is it about wrestling fans that we just feel because when we find someone else that likes wrestling, we feel entitled to just, just spout our opinion despite people actually wanting to hear it or not. I think it comes down to that thing. I think because we were sort of trapped away in this little box when we were kids, now that we're adults and we have this somewhat amazing, somewhat controversial platform where you can just hurl things out there right. and nobody will stop you. Finally, you can be like, oh my gosh, I can get my own back on the world without realizing what I'm doing is the exact same thing that the world did to me when I was a kid. But that's why it's so good. Wrestling fans are passionate. Like yep. You just mentioned June, it's the same thing. You get these niches and within these niches, people really care. Like the best thing I got this week was I just happened to say as much as I love our truth and I think our truth is, uh, you know, uh, just Fantastic. You know, if you started a wrestling yeah. promotion, you'd want him there. Maybe it's time to kind of move him away from the 24 seven championship and almost reward him for what he's done with that title. I could see that. And I would love that. Yeah, and put him in a serious feud. Oh, man, like Derek197 oh. was not having that at all. <laughs> and they're like, how dare you be? It's like, I thought that was a compliment, but, you know. He's what earned do I know? it. I learned last week, uh, I wasn't, I think, I also think the pandemic maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just going through some things. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I was just, I had openly said on the episode previous to having Bobby Lashley on, that I was rolling my eyes about having Bobby Lashley as a champion. And I was just- uh, You got called out. I got called out, rightfully so, because honestly, I hadn't done my Bobby Lashley deep dive yet. And when I did, I was like, actually, I really need to dial it back a bit. I need to self-check myself uh, with my aggressive opinions. Honestly, the man deserves it. He's a hardworking dude. Mm -hmm. He couldn't be the more nicer human uh and give him everything 
Wow, Katie, I feel like you just showed us a glimpse into what you were telling yourself in the mirror after the Bobby Lashley interview. 100%. Because I just, I feel like your heart grew three sizes, which is extremely dangerous. She reached deep, deep down inside my dark black heart. Well, I know this isn't uh, this isn't a political show, but I do believe we always talk about free speech. I think we could have 30 percent less. That's what I would say. If I'm running for president, 30 percent less free speech. I promise you the world will be a better place. Simon, you got into wrestling. You've been into wrestling for a long time. I know you're also a bodybuilder. And I just learned via the wonderful Internet that you trained with Al Snow or at the Al Snow Academy for a bit to be a pro wrestler. I trained when I was 16 years old to be a pro wrestler above Skip's bowling alley. And the main (laughs) dude who owned it was a chain smoking alcoholic. And he was also the champion, which is true. As soon as I hit the ropes, I realized wrestling wasn't going to be for me. When did you realize you weren't physically strong enough to be a wrestler? (laughs) Well, actually, it was a a global pandemic that stopped me. No! Um, Yeah, before the craziness of the last 12 months hit, I was quietly whiling my way uh, away on the UK indie scene, um, trying to get better and trying to actually get... That's awesome. get, Get good at it. And I remember it was it was that classic thing. I remember the weekend before everything sort of hit halt. It was the first time I had what wrestlers like to call a double shot, okay. which is where you have you have a match on Saturday afternoon and then you run away and you have a match on Saturday <laughs> evening. And I remember when I got in that night because I am a giant moron. I kind of got into bed like, yeah, I'm a real wrestler now. <laughs> Did a double shot, even though I'm pretty sure I you know crapped the bed during that match or something. So yeah, that was. But do not get me wrong. This is about my probably 72nd time of trying to be a wrestler. I tried time and time again, but it's just, it was just so hard. As you know, I was like, maybe I don't want to do this, but yeah, I was, I was living in London and I'd I'd already decided, I decided, right, I'm going to become a professional wrestler. This is what I want to do. Or at least I'm going to have one match. And then I was looking through the Croydon Gazette, which was the local newspaper of the area. And it said, literally, as I was thinking this as a big advert, it says, do you want to be a wrestler? I was like, yes. What? And it says, do you remember WWE superstar Al Snow? I was like, I know the answers to all these questions. And he literally opened a school 20 minutes walk from my house. And I'm like, if you don't do it now, Simon, you don't deserve to be a fan anymore. You have to hand in your your fan card. So yeah, I did. That's awesome, man. And it, it was it was hilarious because I mean, he wasn't there every single week. But I thought it was just going to be he's lent his name and he's trained some people up. But no, the first day I walked in there, sat in a chair, was Al Snow. So now I'm like, well, this is now doubly difficult because what I'm intimidated by wrestling. Of course. <laughs> and there's Al Snow. Do I have to impress Al Snow? I don't know. So yeah, make yeah, some very- different, make make some euphemism about giving head and just be <laughs> like, you get it? That was your gimmick. Do you remember when you had the fake head and everyone said we won head? Anyway, I'm going to go to the showers. <laughs> How did that when it comes to I because, I you know, I ran for political office as well. I love politics and I got one point eight percent. I mean, whatever. But it was a great experience, a great learning experience to kind of see what's going on on the inside. And then when you commentate about it, you know, a heck of a lot more. Did you find that as you commentate about wrestling, just having even a small amount of in-ring experience and having a wrestling match or a few wrestling matches, did that help when it comes to I mean, remaining positive, to be honest, because a lot of the negativity comes from people who don't get off of their couch. So once you actually get in the ring and be like, oh, that's really difficult, it gives you a little bit more, I guess, uh, grace when it comes to botches or whatever it might be that happens in the ring organically. 
I think, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's what it was. I remember sort of trying to put together my first matches and thinking this is the, I think I'd rather climb Everest yeah. as opposed to try and do this. It's so, it's so difficult. And then when I was watching, uh, especially sort of WWE stuff, which is obviously what gets the most criticism because you do get certain people that got there on their aesthetic as opposed to their, you know, their body of work. And then they start getting better as wrestlers. Sure, and you'd be sure. watching these people and they would just do something like a headlock takeover. And I know how bad a headlock takeover can go. Somebody tried to do that to me once and just DDT'd me right into the floor. <laughs> so, but And when you see how effortlessly they do the basics, we'll call it, even that's probably not the right word. Yeah, I kind of made a, I don't know, a promise is a bit too strong, but I made a, a note to my brain. Never, you know, in your review stuff, never go, oh, that was really rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Because- right. It's not, you don't do it on purpose. You just don't. People can still have a bad match. I'm not saying that, you know, of course, criticism, but yeah, not to sort of get the stick out and poke the bear like, well, that wasn't a very good clothesline. It's like, yeah, but they didn't, that wasn't their intention. It's just so much can go wrong. So I suppose it gave me a newfound respect for it. And it yeah. made me realize how flipping hard it was. And yeah. that if anybody can have a five minutes match without blowing up, they have some kind of magical cardio secret that I haven't figured out yet because my word, wrestling is exhausting. It really is. It's just, and I think, oh, I'm just, don't mind me. I'm just over here taking notes on positivity. Oh, that's uh, very good, Miss Rollerized Katie. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm taking some notes. Uh, stay more positive. No, Katie, uh, it's your negativity <laughs> that draws people to you. I don't, I don't know why. That's <laughs> fine. Have balance. No, but I do. I. The worst thing you can call someone at the same time is nice. If someone's like, "Oh, Katie, she's nice," that means she's dull and lame. <laughs> you also have to be kind of me. I just want better. I want better for wrestling. I want, I'm enthusiastic. I want other people outside of us, our little circle, to like it. <laughs> I agree with that. But then they'll ruin it. They'll ruin it. I say, get them out. I want less people. I'm going full fascist today. Less speech and less people involved. Get out of here. All they do is say, yeah, I don't understand why that he didn't even really punch him. It's like, well, it's cinematic. It's a. It's like a dance. And then you have to explain how it's like a dance. And then you have to say words like ballet. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, when it comes to your role in professional wrestling, what would you like to see? Like, because obviously you've got some in-ring training, which is huge. And that's going to go. I mean, that's just going to be used forever in your life. That's going to be awesome to have that as a skill set. And then what would you like to do in pro wrestling, whether it be pro wrestler, manager? I've always had a dream and I watched the DDP documentary. He was originally a manager, obviously. And then all of the promotion guys were like, you're bigger than the wrestlers. So you either have to quit or wrestle and he couldn't manage anymore. But I feel like that's the most fun job. Just coming down with somebody who has to work out and then you don't have to work out. And then you scream a bunch. <laughs> I always said I'm 99% sure if you sat down most wrestlers and said, all you have to do tonight is your entrance, get the reaction, loop around the ring and then go back. They'd all go, yeah, that sounds awesome. That <laughs> sounds awesome. We call yeah, that the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> why why get yourself beaten up? I mean, it's kind of, I really do like doing the wrestling bit because when you're in the ring, it's just, it's, it, and I mean this in a good way, it's so uncomfortable because you're like, man, right. I have to remember all of this stuff. So much stuff can go wrong. You know, there's people watching me in my pants. 
which is very intimidating. Like it's very, very intimidating. Like I, I wore a singlet for a good year and everyone's like, Miller, you got to start wrestling in shorts. I'm like, well, when you're ready to do it, I will support you. But for now, um, and I remember the first time, the first time I did do it, it was, it was in a six man tag and I just kept my t-shirt on. And then Aww. my tag team partner was like, Miller, take your top off. I was like, you take your top off. And he had already taken his top off. But anyway, um, so I do really love that, but I, I just, I'd like to be associated with it in any way any way that I could. Like I've done commentary and that's an absolute blast. You know, that, that's just so much fun. Managers, managers is great. Even, you know, stepping away from the ring, getting to do the critique stuff as well has been, you know, an absolute, absolute joy as far as I'm concerned. It's just, you know, it's just something, I guess it's the same kind of thing is that you get to put something out there and yeah. then you get that instant reaction, you know, whether it's in a ring and you're getting people cheering you or it's on YouTube and you get the comments or whatever, you're still getting this back and forth all the time. Yeah. So I don't know what the long-term plan with it is because people always say, oh, Miller, do you want to make it to WWE? And I'm like, I don't really think of it like that because I, I guess most people are going to say yes. Because, you know, if, if, if AEW or WWE rang me up tomorrow and said, Simon, would you like a match? Who would go, no, thank you. I don't, <laughs> oh, my I don't God. Simon Miller me. versus Don Callis. <laughs> oh, that would be great. The battle of the mouths. I'll do it. I would do it. But I don't really think of it. I, I didn't think of my in-ring stuff as like that. My in-ring stuff was just, I want to get to the point where if people came, you know, and turned up and just happened to recognize me from YouTube. And yeah. then my kind of mini dream was that they go, oh my gosh, and you can also wrestle. And it would be like this big, this big thing. I, I wasn't there. Don't get me wrong. I was it still an happen. absolute moron. But it, hopefully it will happen. Yes. Yeah. That's the purpose called lowered expectations to be like, yeah, he can talk on YouTube. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, he can kind of move. Yeah, this is the yeah, most impressive I YouTuber I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> that's all I need. You know, it's so cool. So you make a full living off of the internet, off of what you're doing on YouTube with what culture. Can you talk a little bit about just sort of what the economy is for specifically like YouTube personalities? If anyone out there, because I know it's tough, people are struggling. And how, how do you make money these days? You know, um, uh, obviously, if you're in the service industry, there ain't no damn jobs for you to service. What is that kind of world like for you, the YouTube economy, the YouTube world, the broadcasting world? And how can you sort of like if if someone wanted to kind of break into that, how did it begin for you? Like, how do you get sucked into something as cool as what culture? Because what culture does wrestling? I also love what culture horror. I love horror movies and they do a great job with that. So how did you even get sort of wrapped up in in this great company? Yeah, so I mean, I always, I, as soon as I saw what YouTube was, I kind of had a, you know, uh, something about it massively intrigued me. Because I, yeah. I kind of saw it as, okay, you know, you got to be put on television, but now we have this surface where you can put yourself on it. And I was like, that seems That's that awesome. seems like there's there needs to be some kind of barriers, but there's not, so I'm going to jump into it. And <laughs> Before I got involved in wrestling, I was actually, because again, I decided I never wanted to grow up at a very young age. I was working for a video game company, a magazine, a publisher. They wrote video game magazines. Oh, and I, nice. Yeah, and I, I ran their Nintendo and their Xbox ones. And, you know, at the time, we had a, we had a DVD that came with the magazine. And on the front of the magazine, it would say free gift. It wasn't free. It was all it was all accompanied in on the price. But yes, of course. Don't tell anyone. And <laughs> what we used to do is we used to watch the game trailers. And then we used to go downstairs to this little audio suite the company had. And we would just talk over the top of them and just rip into these games. <laughs> like, well, that looks crap. That looks rubbish. And I was like, why are we doing it? This was like 2012. Wow. Like, why are we doing it on a DVD? Just put it on YouTube. 
Why right. don't we just put it on YouTube? And the company, and I totally understand why, because they're like, well, no, don't cut our overheads, you know, uh, <laughs> sorry, our, our profits. So, so they wouldn't do it. And so I kind of had a bee in my bonnet then. I was like, well, I really want to do this YouTube thing. And they weren't interested in it because, you know, they were a, a, not an old fashioned company, but they, well, they weren't forward there. thinking. That's for sure. Because well, what you're just yeah. described was Twitch, which is well, one yeah. of the most successful platforms in <laughs> yeah, the world. So well, absolutely. So I, I left and I went to join a website instead because they were making a bunch of YouTube videos. And uh, I got to the point where I was able to head up that video division. And nice. everybody everybody was doing, you know, I don't know, just Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto review, Grand Theft Auto preview, Grand Theft Auto interview. And I'm like, all oh, this is fine, but everybody is doing it. And I don't really think it's going to, we should just, my point was we should just do something different. So yeah. using my wrestling love, <laughs> yeah. What, I, what we all did is we all came up with these sort of alter egos and personas and we interjected that into video games. So much like Sasha Baron Cohen did with um, Ali G or Borat, yeah. when we'd have an interview, we wouldn't just go and go, when's the game coming out? How much it's going to cost? Like the character that I decided to play was basically someone that knew nothing about video games, but, <laughs> but had decided that he knew everything about video games. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So the first question would always be, you know, just compl- obviously we told them beforehand. We said it's a parody interview. It's not real. You can be as jovial or anything as you want to. And look, it didn't blow up or anything, but it did kind of develop this niche following where we would just stomp around the video game scene just to absolutely take the mick out of it and not take it seriously at all. And I think some people appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I did that for around about three or four years. And then the what culture thing, I, I saw a tweet which sounds absolutely ridiculous, but yeah. it was, you know, do you like wrestling? Do you want to, it's like the wrestling advert again. Do you want to make wrestling videos? And I was at a point where I was like, I really do. Like, I, I love games, but wrestling is something else to me. Like, yeah. you know, I've always been super passionate about it. And this ties into your question, long-winded answer. But because I had all this work, I suppose, stored up, even though it was me, you know, bumbling around like a moron, I was able to go, look, here's all the stuff that I've done. Here's my CV, I suppose, my resume. I really like wrestling. You know, here's some other wrestling. I, Cause I've done a few wrestling videos too. And because of that, you know, they said, Oh, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a trial. They were very kind to me because the first video they ever gave me at the height of Roman Reigns being hated was 10 things WWE wants you to forget about Roman Reigns. That's <laughs> like, you could have got a goat to voice that and it would have done well. It could have just been a goat going bad, bad for 10 minutes <laughs> and people would have clicked it. So they were very, very kind to me. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, from there it was just. Why do you I'm think, why, why does everybody hate Roman? I never got it. I didn't get it. It was uh, obviously I, I did the video, but I did have this small part of me. It was like, well, I really like Roman Reigns. I'm like, Simon, shut up. Take the opportunity <laughs> and just run with it. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the Raw after WrestleMania that he won the title in Orlando, I think. And it was just 12, I think it maxed out at 12 minutes of straight. Everyone's oh, booing. Best. Everyone. And it was like, it's crazy. I, my heart was breaking. As I was like, boo! <laughs> I was like, oh, well, you got to boo. Oh, man, I feel kind of bad. Boo! <laughs> ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? 
That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Today, we are honored to have with us. You've seen him in the WWE. You may have seen him play professional football, but you've certainly seen this man one way or another. We love him. He's King Corbin. Baron Corbin, thank you so much for being on the show. Baron. Heck yeah, man. I'm glad to be here. Finally be a part of the conversations uh, that have entertained me through so many long drives across the country. Dude, it's insane to me that you guys, by you guys, I mean wrestlers, drive so GD much. How many days are you driving a week? So normal circumstances, (laughs) you know, we're, we're rolling like four to five days a week. On average, you know, we'll fly into a city, a big yeah. city, let's say we're doing Dallas. And then after the Dallas show, we'll drive to Houston, then we'll drive to Austin, then we'll drive down to McAllen, and then we'll fly out. So, And you're still just driving yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think that people imagine that when you're a professional wrestler, they see you on stage, they see the pyro, unless, of course, it's AEW and they're desperately trying to do a barbed wire exploding match and it doesn't really work out, which was the saddest thing of all time. It was the closest thing I have ever seen to actually watching somebody get edged in real life. When it comes to your existence as a pro wrestler, it's actually more like a truck driver than it is like a celebrity. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird like hybrid ground because, you know, we are, we handle our own stuff. You know, WWE books our flights and then we're booking our hotels, we're booking our rental cars and we're, we're driving. But um, who's one of your favorite guys to drive with or gals? I ride solo a lot. That, really? That's kind of my style, yeah. Because I just like to be on my own schedule. You know, if, I, yeah. if I've got the energy after a show, I can drive three or four hours. If I don't, I'll stay, uh, you know, in the hotel in the town. I'm just, I like being on my own schedule all the time on the road. Before, it was Tyler Breeze. He was my guy. Nice. That, uh, he's in NXT now. But uh, we hit the road a lot and uh, drove each other crazy, which was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, played a lot of video games. I'd make him watch like horror movies in the car. And he claims to be a horror buff now, but I think it's all because <laughs> of how many I made him watch, like watching Terrifier in the car. Oh, my uh, God, dude. At like 3 a.m. and watching his face was uh, it's perfect. Terrifier. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic movie. Uh, one of the scariest clowns in cinema history, I would say. I, I think 100 percent. So let's start number one with you're a very athletic guy. You made it to the NFL. Let's just go right to that. How did you do that? Because I, I've seen the uh, the combine when they're like, let's see how good the people are. And I'm like, everyone looks really good to me um, because they can move real fast and stuff. How the hell did you become an NFL football player? It seems almost impossible. It, it is. It's like, I think the number is like 1% of college athletes make it to the NFL. And for me, it was even harder because I played division two in college. Okay. So it wasn't even like I was coming from a big school like Alabama or, uh, you know, anything like that or Georgia. I was coming out of division two. So it was, 
it was a grind, but what's that process like when you're in division two, how did you even get noticed? Because you know, the Mel Kuypers of the world, yeah. uh, he said he tends to focus on Alabama and yeah. Alabama. That's yeah, about it. Like, how did you get list. noticed? <laughs> I definitely wasn't on his list. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you really get noticed. It just happens for certain guys. And, um, It'd be funny because I'd see the scouting reports and they'd be like, oh, his technique's a little rough, but he plays extremely violent. He's always trying to run people <laughs> over and he plays to the whistle and he has a really like bad attitude in a good way. Dude, what I love about sports so much is technically that sounds like a rap sheet. It sounds like the judge be like, well, we better yeah. give him 25 years. Yeah. Or the NFL is like, we'll give him a contract. But in the world of sports, those are just fantastic credentials where every single NFL team is like, yep, that sounds like our guy. Yeah, and it, and it is, especially for an offensive lineman. They want a big, just salty dude that, uh, you know, plays angry and plays to the whistle. And it would be funny because before games in college, I'd have even people, like, yell out my number, like, you're not getting me today. And then my new goal is to just try to destroy them uh, if they're standing behind the pile or whatever yeah. it is. So it's just how I played the game, and that's what got me to the NFL, I think, is that, that level of aggressiveness. And how was that combine experience? Because I look at how it's so strict. Everything yeah, is like very heavy. surgical. Yeah. And um, how did you, I would have just, I mean, obviously there's a reason I do what I do and you do what you do and Katie does what she does. Um, but how did you prepare for that? Because mentally, I don't think I could have slept the night before. I would have been like so nervous just about the process. So it, I don't think it was funny because it didn't register how mentally tough it was going to be. You know, yeah. I felt like training for it. I was like, oh, no problem. This is what I do. I lift weights and I run and run people over. That's my job. So the training for like the bench press, which, you know, my number was huge. I had, I think, 38 reps at 225. Oh, my God. Uh, Jesus. You're a manimal. Yeah. Yes. I, was, I was 318 <laughs> pounds when I was doing that. And then you get there and they're like, all right, hey, take your shirt off, take your shorts off, your shoes, your socks, and go stand on the stage in your underwear, basically. And I'm going, this oh is God. like, it's like livestock. They're like looking at you, like yeah. they want to see how you measure up, how you look and how you move because they're going to invest potentially millions of dollars into guys. It is funny because it does. I mean, I made the rap sheet joke earlier, but it literally does sound like you just got off a corrections bus and you were going to Folsom <laughs> and uh, it's time for you to strip nude and... <laughs> Show everyone yeah. where you're hiding your knives. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And then then you're going through like the hospital stuff where you're going through like knee MRIs, elbows, hand, like everything. Right. You're checking every detail. And I mean, it's good because it tells you you're healthy, but like that's stressful, man. Dude, like but I mean, like, oh, we're going to do MRIs and knees. I'm like, well, I hope they're okay. Right. Because <laughs> you know that we they're... all might learn something here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's so, I mean, honestly, from a, uh, let's talk about feelings. From a feelings perspective, how does that feel when you're in there and you know they're not giving you checkups to make sure that you're healthy? They're seeing, like, is this mule going to die halfway through the trip? Yeah. Like, yeah. was that dehumanizing? Um, I mean, when you kind of think about it, you're like, this is wild. Like, I'm literally, they're purchasing a, a product that they want to make sure is going to fulfill its needs, I guess, man. Right. Like, I'm an offensive lineman. They want to know that, um, you know, a guy of my size doesn't have too much stress on my heart and my joints are okay. And I'm going to last because if they're going, Hey, we're going to, let's say, you know, these guys that are big and important, you know, they're going, okay, we're giving you like a guaranteed $20 million. Like, right. I want to make sure that they're going to kind of see that return. And 
it, it's they've got it down to a science. And, yeah. um, you know, it is good though, because like some guys go in there and they're like, Hey man, you have like a heart issue and we're glad we found it because if we didn't, you could die. And right. so it's beneficial to that. Um, and WWE is the same thing. When you sign with WWE, you go through a full physical cause they want to make sure that you're healthy and you're not at risk. And right. um, it, like I said, it's a good thing. It's just weird. Yeah. At no point did that even cross my mind that you, from a team owner or like from a team business perspective, you're an investment. Yes. And like the, this entire time I've just like, I've always seen pro athletes as you live and die to be a pro athlete. You are yeah. exceptional at right. what you do. And now my brain has broken to think of it as like a business. Yeah, I mean, it's, of course it's a business. That side of it, it's yeah. wild. Uh, they, they don't know what you go through. Like, you know, yeah. every, every kid in their kindergarten gym class has done like the sit and reach. And then you're like, ah, I only got this far. And you know, you're measuring hands, but you get in there and they're, they're measuring your wingspan. And I mean, literally everything. Right. At that point, you're, you're done with D2. You're in the combine. You're still a very young man. That's the other thing that I always force. I'm 39 years old now. Um, so I'm always forcing myself to remember even the older athletes are probably still younger than me. Like I think LeBron is 37. You yeah, know? I know. I, I struggle with that sometimes too, man. I'm up there as well. I'm 36. And sometimes I look at these guys and go, he's 24. He's got so much money and he's like a superstar. Like it's yeah. wild. It is wild. And that's why I always try because I think in this world, we need more grace and we need to understand that people are, they're, living their experience the best that they can. Yeah. But many of these kids are babies. And it's yes. important to remember when it comes to pro athletes, because there's a lot of freaking money on the line. But when it comes to the combine, did that experience help you realize that you are a business? You yes. are the Baron Corbin, King Corbin brand. Yeah. You're yeah. 100. And you have to look at it as a business because you have these guys. Like when I was going through the draft process and these coaches and these guys are calling you and they're like, you know, we want you to take us, but you have to go, you have to sit down with your agent and go, okay, business wise, yeah, is this the best decision to go here or go there or take this amount of money? Because like I ended up going to Indianapolis out of college as a free agent, but I had bigger offers from other teams. And so I had to sit back and go, okay, do I pass up this amount of money to take a smaller amount, but I have a better chance of making the team here. So it's like, hmm. it is 100% a business at that point. Did you have anyone give you any advice backstage? Was there someone that stands out to you where you're like, thank God that this person, sort of your own Terry Funk, because Mick Foley always references yeah. Terry as, as someone who was just absolutely influential in his career decisions. Was there anyone that stands out where you're like, man, thank God for this guy or gal? I mean, there's a few for sure. You know, just keeping my sanity when I originally came in was Norman Smiley. Like, oh. Norman Smiley was my dude that was like, okay, Tom, take a breath, like do your thing, like relax. Like this is when I'm there fresh out of the NFL and I'm getting frustrated or I'm trying to fight somebody. Um, he's like, hey, you can't do that here. You can't actually go punch. You know, I think it was Colin Cassidy. We almost got in a fight one time okay. and they're like, you can't do that. Like this isn't how we do things here. So he was my guy for my first few years, him and Billy Gunn. Oh. Billy kind of really helped me in the ring. If, how I do things and how I developed as a talent and how I move and carry myself like that. But yeah. then, you know, Norman was my guy. But then as I started to get bigger and bigger, Terry Taylor's a guy that uh, he will tell you 10 things. And if you pull one or two like diamonds out of that, right. there's something you'll hold on to forever. Like there's a lot of the way when I'm in the ring and, you know, 
wrestling now is so fast paced. It's car crashes, it's dives, it's this, that. And I'm just going to punch a guy in the face and then tell everybody I'm better than them. Like, right. Because it irritates them. And that, that's something Terry really focused. But then you have, you know, when I got to the main roster and we were really running, and Taker played a huge role in a lot of the things I do um, because he doesn't pull punches. He'll tell you, hey, that was rotten. Like, you right. got to fix that or you got to do this. And then Triple H was another guy who, who has helped me from day one. Like, he's a guy who believed in me. And talk about someone like Terry Taylor, for those that don't know, he was the rooster. The talk, rooster. Talk about someone who dealt with a character that could have uh, gone much, much worse because it's yeah. one of the worst ideas I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, that is a, that is a, like, make him a rooster. It's like, Vince, we let's circle back. Do, do we have any other ideas? Yeah. Yeah, what are our options here? And then, you know, um, Steve Kern, I'm sure you know that name. Like, yes. he was one of the fabulous ones. And then, you know, he, he went, like, full hillbilly gator hunter after that after the fabulous ones. Like, So he's a guy who transitioned characters. He was a guy who helped me a lot in the beginning as well. And, of course, when it comes to uh, Taker, he I, I've heard from big guys that he's he's been really good for big guys because he yeah. has such athletic mobility and then also such a mind for the business and and I I still grew up I mean I'm an attitude era kid but I still remember when you're a big guy you do big guy stuff and yes. now it really I'm I'm just so happy which is why I also love Tucker from Otis and Tucker and I would love to see you guys fight and I want Tucker in the uh, uh in the WWE I want him back I love big guys that can move yes that's so awesome that you're in an era now where people expect almost to see a big guy move not quite yeah. like Rey Mysterio but a bit yeah there there's definitely things I think I'm a little bit old school in that mind frame where like you said big guys are big guys like, yeah they do their thing and I think if you start doing everything that a smaller guy can do like what does that kind of leave for them right because, so I I, I want to like toe that line a little bit because you see interesting some guys do things and you're I'm going man why would you why would you take that uh oh i can't even think of the name of the move just an opportunity like off the top and and i'm going dude you're six seven like why are you up there and to to me i think you have to find a way to separate yourself as a big guy you is if you can do everything they can like how does it really make you different how does it make them different um but then you i mean that must be strange to have to sort of edit your move set even though you can do certain things but you, sure. you say no i'm not going to i know um uh undertaker aka mark calloway that's his real name when he was uh, when he was like big mean mark and all that stuff when he got to the wwe when vince gave him the undertaker character he was talking about how he's like you don't want me to move like that you want me to like how the fudge do i do that you know how, how do i do that yeah. um so when it comes to editing your moves and sort of scripting and sculpting how you want to be perceived how is that process because it seems i mean it's so uh unique it is and i think first of all you have to have confidence because for me i like having a small move set because it pisses people off yeah legitimately like oh you know king corbin's boring because he only does four moves well, first of all, nobody's ever kicked out of my finish ever. Sweet. Like, end I'm of one days. of the only people that end of days, no one has ever kicked out of that. Was um, it named after the Schwarzenegger movie? No, it was after a song actually is where I got it. Oh, nice. So, What's the band? Uh, Brown Bird. Oh, it's cool. like a weird folky 
I like weird folky. Music. I love weird folky. I'll check them out for sure. Especially like dark, I dark stuff. Uh, I like all that. that Man, I can world. just see you driving at midnight. It is scary. Now that I think about you and your Ford Fusion, just driving, listening to some dark, dark folk, death folk. Yeah, is it called death like, folk music I've never heard of? Do you like like Ian No and those dudes? Like I'm Tyler a, I'm a Towns Van Zant, uh, you know, Waylon Willie kind of guy. Oh. I'm a, I'm an old country guy because right. uh, that's just I don't know why I like sad music. Doesn't make me sad. It kind of makes me happy, and then happy yeah, music same. makes me furious. So yeah. I don't know why. Like if I hear it's like that, literally that happy song. I'm happy. I oh. I was I would scream and I would just say I'm not. I'm not actually not yeah. happy. I think I'm just a contrarian. This song is making me more angry by the, by the second. I'm but then you. it's like you turn on like Far Beyond Driven from Pan terror and you're like oh finally i can just relax I can or, relax or a sad you know wailing song talking about how my, mom, wife my wife's me. like this song is giving me a headache i'm like it's relaxing me so just yes you don't understand the opposite we are opposite people um but anyway i totally derailed we were talking big time in ring that process you got the four moves you're hitting it end of days no one's kicked out of which i think that and one winged angel uh kenny omega's finisher i think those are might be the only two that have yet to be kicked out of um, so that is something that you really focused on as, as you sort of began to explore who you are. Yeah, I just because I think it's important. I think um, your stuff has to be meaningful. And if it's not, then again, nobody cares. If you hit 8,000 moves, well, who cares when you hit a certain one? When people right. when I hit in today's, everybody knows it's over. Like it's just and that's, that's something I learned from from Taker as well. You know, his uh, tombstone went for like 10 years with nobody ever kicking out. And then when finally somebody did, everybody was like, like was you awesome. got that moment of just pure emotion of people that were like, Oh my God, I cannot believe that just happened. Like right. that's the cool thing to have. And, uh, and that, you know, that kind of building of tension, which is why the psychology of pro wrestling is endlessly fascinating, but building that kind of tension. So when it does happen, like that's getting that audience to snap, that's got to yeah. be awesome that's when you nail like, that. It's so fun. Cena is one of the greatest ever. And I don't think people will, will ever understand how good he is at listening and understanding a crowd. Mm. And I'm talking, we can be in, you know, Richmond, Virginia. And then we do him and I have a match and it goes amazing. And the very next night we're, you know, in the next town over and we start and they hate it. He has the ability to, just understand what they want to see and give it to him. But then he also understands that building the tension, how to frustrate people. So he's like, Hey, as soon as the bell rings or whatever, you know, go to work and I'll beat the crap out of him for 14 minutes. And then the one time he gets a punch off and hits me and everybody stands on their feet because right. for 14 minutes, they've had to listen to me go, I'm better than John Cena. I'm the best there's ever been. You guys suck. Hey, you got ketchup on your shirt. Lady, you don't have teeth. Like, <laughs> They listen to that for 14 minutes and then they're so excited when I start getting, you know, when we flip it on them and it's, Oh my God. And just cut to the lady without the teeth, licking the ketchup off the guy's shirt that's next to her. Cause it was her ketchup and she wants to put it back on her hot dog, which is now in her tummy. That's the lady who threatened to stab me. Oh, she's yeah. going to stab you. No, I legit had a lady threaten to stab me. And I told her, I said, lady, you should go to the dentist first. Cause you don't have any teeth. <laughs> I love it. I love I, it. I don't hold back sometimes on people. That's what makes you so fun. 
That's like that's as a fan. That's what like you're so. It's just fun. You're like you're part part of you is saying everything that we would want to say in real life. Yes. And yes. then you say it, and you're like, ah. How like, yeah? How insulting can you be? I'm sorry. Go on. It, no, I well, I was gonna go into that world. Like when we're just doing live events, uh, you know, and it's not live television. I definitely probably push the boundaries quite a bit. Especially you have to be careful because there are cell phones out there and people like to record everything. Of but there course. are those moments when you can get away with a good one here and there. Like, yeah. And I'll, like, there's things in my career that I'll always remember, like, you know, beating Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. But then I'll also remember the um, old lady in a wheelchair holding onto her husband's overalls as he's trying to come over the barrier at me and it's <laughs> through the chairs. Like I will never forget that sight in the rest of my life. It was like it was like seventy, and he had overalls on. And he was in like the third row with his wife, and he was coming to try to fight me. And his wife had his overalls, and it was pulling her through the crowd of people. <laughs> I mean, that's gonna speak to a job well done. Exactly. Yes. I have them so enraged that they want to climb the barrier and fight me. Has anyone jumped over yet? Has anyone gone full Bret Hart Hall of Fame induction speech where they jumped into the ring and then? I assume you just have to beat the living crap out of them. Yeah. Um, I haven't had it in the ring, but I did have a guy punch me in the back of the head at a, oh my a live God. event. But I thought it was, I was facing Seth Rollins and I thought it was Seth and it wasn't. And I then he hit me again and I realized it wasn't. And I tossed, Seth was standing on me and I threw Seth straight up in the air and started to go over the guardrail. And Seth kind of tackled me as well as, cause I was going. Yeah, like, dude. There was well, what, no stopping me, and and luckily Seth was like, like got a hold of me, and then they they dragged that guy out of there. But like, well, I hope they got a couple of shots in. That's why I think whatever the security is for WWE, it should only be parts of the Hart family, because <laughs> when that guy ran into the ring to interrupt Bret Hart, right? the small jabs. Oh my God, did he pay a price? And I loved every second of it. Get the hell out of there. I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with people actually having uh, consequences for their actions. Absolutely. Why people on Twitter are nuts because they can say whatever and they're safe. Exactly. And, you know, again, we talk about this on Twitter. You know, Twitter's only 10 million people. It's not representative of the whole, yeah. and it's certainly not indicative of how human beings actually are. God knows what happened to them. It's a bunch of people who need to go to therapy. Please, God. When it comes to your physical transformation, I've got to ask about your hair because where is it? What happened to it? Do you have it in a jar? It, I, I actually donated it. You did? Aww. Yeah. So where because where can like I find your hair? 14 inches. I, I don't know. Probably uh, in a, hopefully in like some kid's wig. If they needed it. <laughs> That's nice. I have what? good moments. I do good things here and there. That's very nice of you. But, but what what prompted? Because I was like, where'd the hair go? What prompted the hair? Dude, I was kind of over it, and age was catching up, and it was it was creeping back as fast as it it wanted. And I was just like, you know what, man? It's it's time to go. I just feel like even if age does creep up, and if you get that beautiful egg head, but then the long, I love the long, uh, the fryer tuck gone crazy. <laughs> Come on, give me the crazy fryer talk every now and again. Maybe I'll grow it back out just for you, and then we'll have that kind of going. Yeah, and if it's just a few strands, it'll even be crazier. Crazier. <laughs> I'm down with that. I love it. So, but it was nice to, dude, you don't understand how much, like, 
when you have that long hair and you, I would dump conditioner in it before I'd go out of the curtain. So it doesn't dry up while you're out there wrestling. So I'm slinging conditioner everywhere. And like <laughs> you get thrown into the guardrail and like the whole front row gets conditioner across their face and they don't know what it is. And like, I love it. The girl that whose boyfriend dragged her to the show. And she's got like this look of like, was that spit slobber? I I don't know. What is? He has pants on, so I know it can't be anything other than those yeah. two things. Yeah. <laughs> that was always fun. I love. It. There must be so much, so many combs and gels within a uh, WWE so locker room. Tricks. So many Tons. tricks of the trade. Tons. What? Um, I want to. Well, I want to ask you real quick. Just one question, real quick. Um, a lot of us. My, like Ben and myself, Marks, if you will, um, will never experience or never even come close to having a WrestleMania moment. Can you, I feel like you've had one yeah. or you've had a few. I can feel like talk I've had a few ab- solid ones. Yeah. Can you talk about those? Like, com- like, is it, it seems like it would be fucking awesome. Yeah, it seems yeah, pretty cool. Like we're coming up on WrestleMania, you know, in a couple of weeks. Yes. And this year I think is awesome being a two night event. Like I think it's going to, you know, break up a seven hour show. Now we can split it into two nights. But, um, you know, I debuted at a WrestleMania, 103,000 people. Oh my God. Giant battle roll. And like, you don't like, it's almost impossible to just explain walking out in front of 103,000 people. Like, I can't. How many bands hit that number? That's not a giant festival in Europe. No, it's it's literally like if uh, if somehow Black Sabbath could reform 15, no, 35 years ago. Yes. Maybe Black Sabbath could fill it out or Mussolini. That's it. (laughs) You're basically Uh, Mussolini. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you got to I mean, what the hell does that sound like, dude? Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, can you even hear yourself think 103,000 people? You can. You can literally. It's almost like so loud that it's quiet. Like it's a weird, weird, weird thing. Plus then like you look out and like my brother and my wife, they were in the crowd oh. and you're looking, but all I see is like just an ocean of people. Yeah. And then the ring looks so tiny. You're just like, like, is that the ring all the way down there? Like, Oh my God. Is that, that, that runway was like 60 yards long and, and then winning it like and hearing the because I was in NXT at the time, hearing 103,000 people chanting NXT and like my name is like, dude, like I'm supposed to be a bad guy, like I won, and I'm going, like it's like when you see like Bobby Lashley win the you know WWE Championship and he's like about to cry, you're like, no, you're you're a big badass man, like don't yeah. do it, but it's like it's like, dude, people invest their whole lives to this, and when you get those accomplishments, they're they're awesome, but having it at WrestleMania is a whole nother level because it's the Super Bowl. It's it's Brady winning the Super Bowl, raising the trophy. Like, and how many people go whole careers without a WrestleMania moment? Like, yeah. I was oh talking to the Usos one time and they're like, oh, we've never had just a singles WrestleMania match. And uh, Cesaro said the same thing. He's like, I've never had a singles. And he's been there 10 years. Like, yeah. There are spots that are earned. And then, then I had the one with Kurt Angle. Like, and literally pissed off the entire world. I love it. Oh my God, it was so much fun. Dude, I was getting the finger from little kids. I got the finger from his kid. Like, <laughs> it, it was one of the things, especially because like everybody wanted to see him and John Cena because, you know, he was Cena's first match. And we were in Chicago and he's like, at WrestleMania, I'm going to face Baron Corbin. And just the guttural booze. Like, yeah. I thought there was going to be a riot because they were like, anybody but him. And it was, <laughs> I was like, 
uh, like the light was glowing on me and I was just like, this is the best. And then, you know, going and beating him at WrestleMania and ending his WWE career. It was amazing. Like, I can say that and irritate people anytime, anywhere. So at no point do the boos feel, make you feel bad. They're, they're like, they're as good as cheers to me. Yeah. Right. That's why I love That's pro wrestling. Okay. There it was. Our interviews with some very talented people who work out a lot more than I do and somewhat more than you do, Katie, but you also work out quite a bit. No, they they work out a lot. A lot, a lot. Next time we see Bobby Lashley working out, we got to be like, hey, big guy. Like, I'll definitely like put my glasses down and be like, hey, how are you? And it'll be great because that's the kind of attention he's really looking for. And he'll be like, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> like, I'm just a man who's a fan. And then you'll be like, thank you so much. Get away from me. In all honesty, maybe one of the less weird interactions he'll probably have that's true i can't even imagine uh, the life of a professional wrestler unbelievable um all right everyone well thank you so much for listening we hope you're doing well out there being happy and healthy and safe and uh yeah hail yourselves we'll talk to you soon this show is made possible by listeners like you Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.